I'm Will Hedrick. And I'm Jordan Schaffer. And this is Dog Ears and Timestamps, a book club podcast. Man. End of the best book. How'd you, how'd you enjoy it? Was it as good as you thought? Yes. Yeah, it continues to be just spectacular, I think. Um, and certainly maybe because I'm riding off the high of it right this moment. Uh, but I think that uh, it's my favorite against Goblet of Fire, you know, which was the, the thing that I was unsure what was going to happen between those two again. Because it seems to be different every time I go through. Um, yeah, but right now I feel like Half Blood is probably my favorite one. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like it has the most like layered meaning in it for sure. So like reading it a sec the second time, still like I- I'm glad that it has as much value as you say that it that it does. You know, because you were not worried, I guess, but you were. We were curious to see if like you were going to enjoy it as much as you you did like the first time when it was all such a big reveal and. Uh, and I think that since yeah. this one is so layered with all of like the intricacies of like how it all works out in the next book, it's uh it really makes this one a good reread as well as a good first read. But yeah. like I don't know if that always holds true with, with certain books, but uh I don't know, in, in my opinion I think that might be why this one really stands out. It's just it really has all the stuff. Yeah, it really, really does. And it, it certainly the last half of it, it really just never stops. That's you know, everything just picks up into the climax and the climax goes right up until you know basically the end of the book yeah when uh when do you think it picks up it's i like, guess when does it's it get probably, really hot it's got to be with the quidditch cup right like that's sort of or i guess really um right before because he do, has that duel with malfoy fights with malfoy yeah that's what it is <clears throat> is that that's sort of where it picks up and then yeah all his suspicions really are stop from there I guess we get a couple of paragraphs of him talking about his, you know, the first two weeks of his weekly detentions with Snape, which is a, a small mellow spot. But then it immediately, you know, the, the cup happens and then spends a couple of days just like being relaxed. But then he goes and uh, gets the memory and then it just doesn't stop from there, basically. Dude, let's talk about how Snape has not given him detention on a Quidditch day before. Yeah, that seems... <laughs> I mean, a I, little I, I understand <laughs> why McGonagall was uh, was willing to like let it slide this time, like, and she right, let yeah. because he was doing dark case. arts. Yeah, he was doing dark arts, like, and you're not in dueling, which you're already not allowed to do. But then using the dark arts is probably yeah. not, super not allowed. I think it's illegal, right? Is it illegal? There are no laws. I really don't know. Yeah, that, that's true. There's no laws. That's the one thing we know about Harry Potter more than anything else. Um, right, yeah, the rules don't apply. I really don't know. Um, I would think maybe not. Because if the dark arts just were blanket illegal, like Borgen and Burks wouldn't exist, right? Dude, Borgen and Burks, how does Dumbledore not interrogate them for memories? If if young Tom Riddle used to work at Borgen and Burke, there is mm-hmm. somebody that knows something about that guy. You know what yeah. I mean? There must be. I mean, maybe he did, and maybe he was either unable to get anything, or those memories were inconsequential to the lessons he was trying to teach Harry. Like maybe if oh, Dumbledore okay. lives longer, then we would see more memories. No, um, I think you're right. I think that they don't really matter. It, he probably got them, but it's it's like this is nothing substantial. This is just confirming the right. the monster something we that know. Don't really like the public crazy figure. well in the book is that, and something that they do show in the movie is uh, Dumbledore shows Harry all the memories that he's collected in regards to Voldemort, and it's like an entire like cabinet full. And so you know that's 
I guess that's what we're supposed to assume happens and the, the filmmakers assumed ha- that happened and, you know, put an illustration in there for it. But I don't oh, remember yeah. there being like a description of, and then Harry saw hundreds of vials or anything like that. You mm-hmm. know? Do you think it's just a normal cauldron that they turn into a pensive? You just put a charm on it? I think so. I like the idea of... Uh, I like the visual that they use in the movies where it's like a really shallow bowl that's just like really wide and very like just smooth and clean, almost alien looking. Oh, is that what it was? I always thought it was a cauldron. (laughs) How did I just imagine (laughs) my own thing? I'm sure I saw it in the moment and just, you know how you can remember. Just Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of whatever. I can't remember how they describe it in what? uh, Azkaban? When's the first time he sees it? I think Azkaban. I think you're... I think you're right because that's when I don't remember how they describe it in the book. Yeah, because that's when Harry. It'd be interesting to go back and see what it says. I think that's when he was first like, I understand what Dumbledore was saying when you had too many memories going in your head at one time. I think that was in the third book. That sounds like a third book type of thing. Dude, did you (laughs) fall in love with Ginny this book or no? Um, yeah, I mean Ginny's great. Yeah, right. Uh, Pretty much all of the main characters are great. There's. There are f- extremely few characters that I have any problems with at all. Um, that's mostly just like Umbridge and I don't know, maybe maybe Trelawney. I sort of get, I don't know. Trelawney is just such a throwaway character. Yeah, um, she's fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Jenny's great. I love Jenny. I think that it all makes sense. I just, I still really hold tight to Harry and Hermione should have been together. <laughs> okay. That's just the way that I personally feel about it. Yeah, I think... Uh, But, you know, it's perfectly fine the way that it turns out. I think that it works great. Yeah, I think both versions would have been fine. You know, the one we got and the one that everyone kind of thinks maybe should have happened. Like, they sort of hint Mm -hmm. at it, like, in the movie. And I remember Brianna, that's my cousin for for those of you fans that don't know. (laughs) Um, But I remember Brianna was saying in the movie she was like i do not like the scene where they dance and we're going to talk about that in the next movie but like ron leaves for a minute you know so like they had a few moments when oh yeah harry's felt nothing but just friendship for her the whole time like mm-hmm. he's talking about the pretty regularly movie. well i'm now i'm talking about the books like I, pretty regularly oh, right. he he talks about hermione always being just his friend you know yeah like yeah, he there's never, never even, a point where I would have ever assumed that Harry was into her. Yeah, he even thinks like about how like we weren't even part of his thoughts until until he thought like about Ron and Hermione. Like, oh, what if they did get together and then they break up? Like, he had never thought mm-hmm. that before. Right. But but he had but the way he said it had been hinting like he'd been thinking about it a lot recently. Mm-hmm. You know so. Yeah. And, the and fact that's also that, part of it, like, we don't spend every day with him, right? right. Like, we, we skip weeks at a time, so there's plenty of thoughts that we don't get. <laughs> right, and there's a lot of interactions with people that I wish we could have, because he's obviously yeah. good friends with Seamus and Dean and Neville. Mm-hmm. How are they cool not hanging out with Neville all the time? Why is Neville not part of their crew? Just, like, after the DA and after the last book. Like, he should have just joined their group and been like, hey, guys, right. like, I'm hanging out with you now. I guess it's just that... Oh, you're, are you guys going to Hagrid's? I like Hagrid. Right. Yeah. Said, let, it let must me, just let me be go. that the three of them are just, you know, so beyond close. And they're obviously, you know, the heroes of the story that you know, what we're going to see is the interactions of them three. And once in a while, a ter- you know, a secondary character kind of, you know, crosses through. Uh, but 
if we're going to see anything in a 650 page book, it's going to be the interactions of our heroes by an extreme margin. Right. And if I took Neville away from us, if I took Neville away from the plot and into our group in this book, then he wouldn't be able to rise to the occasion and protect people when he needs to. And next year when Harry's already, Harry's pretty determined at the end of this book. He's like, He's, he he's, like he already pretty much knows, yeah. I mean, yeah. his last lesson with Dumbledore was his last lesson, you know? Like that yeah. uh, when they mm-hmm. go to the cave. Right. Do you know what yeah, R-A-B yeah. stands for? It's a... I always forget his middle name, but it's Regulus Black. Yeah. Sirius's brother. Um, yeah, I, I always forget what his middle name is. something very wizardy, right? It's like Arcturus or something like that. that <laughs> dude, yeah, I swear. I keep thinking Octavius, but I know that's not it because that's an O. Um Actavius. But yeah, you got it. Nice. Um, Speaking of uh, the lessons with Dumbledore, in the first one, I think, right? Or no, I'm sorry. The first one was obviously in the pre. The first one of this episode, this section of reading that we did. Okay. When they go to Hepzibah Smith's house and see the collection that she's got, and she's showing Voldemort the cup. No, I know he's the descendant of uh, Mm -hmm. Helga Hufflepuff, the the chunky. It's a and it's a Hokies memory. Her house elf. Yeah. There, there's a weird bit that stood out to me, and I wrote down exactly what the line was. Okay. Where. Hokey laughs at a joke that Hepzibah Smith makes or whatever. And it was just like such a dumb joke. Harry's thought was uh, Harry could only assume that it was down in Hokey's contract to laugh at <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so house cells have contracts? Um, it's, you know, the the binding magical contract of their blood. I don't know. I, I, it's, I guess, but that's Harry's, such a specific. Harry's dumb. <laughs> Harry doesn't understand magic. I know, he yeah, can't. He's really, that's like my favorite joke is how dumb he is. But Yeah, dude, yeah, you texted me that this week. <laughs> yeah, whenever. Yeah, uh, I I'm an idiot. Yesterday. A quote from Harry Potter. Yeah. Dude, did you watch God, Daniel Radcliffe on Hot Ones this week? I did not. You sent me that, and I it totally was. forgot about it. He is so charming. Watch it. And so cool. Yeah. He's awesome. I love, yeah, he seems great. He seems like he'd be a genuine good hang, you know? Yeah. And, uh, Anytime and, I've seen, like, even just, like, short clips of him in an interview or something like that, he seems pretty sweet. Yeah. I should have written it down what the Harry Potter questions were and answers were that he said, but uh, go watch the Hot Ones episode, I guess. But it's, it's really good. I mean, I'm sure it's got, like, 50 million views already. Yeah, but probably. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's very entertaining. They do it over Zoom, I think. And, uh, it's Sean Evans. He's a good host, and he's like, mm-hmm. the fans would tear me apart if I didn't ask some Harry Potter questions. So let me hit you with a few. Like it was, a, it was the third question, so the hot sauce wasn't too hot, you know. So that's where you can right, really right. lay on the questions thick, and then you get very <laughs> few questions once you get to the last sauces. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> people can't talk. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, I don't know. It was really good. So uh, I can't really remember what his answers were. So some, I, the only question I can remember that he was asked that he answered was um, like, what do you most remember? He, he, I think he asked him like, do you remember eating anything weird? Like while you were on set at the great feast or whatever. And he's like, really? no, mm-hmm. not anything weird, but he does remember that like they always had like breakfast every day at like the, the in the in great the hall. hall. So like yeah. every day he was loading his plate up with like eggs and bacon Hell and, yeah. and, and uh, sausages and stuff. And I was that like, ah, oh, that dope. sounds awesome. Yeah, I know. 
It's just like this amazing about, experience making it sound even like just as legit as you thought it was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, anytime that I see or hear people talking about, you know, eating in filmmaking, uh, they're, you know, they talk about how they potentially, certainly if it's a commercial for food, mm-hmm. they had to, you know, have several takes of it and you don't want to eat you know, eight hot and spicy McChickens because that's just going to kill you, right? So they're like, spit yeah. it back out. But I just think, man, I would, I would probably eat it all. Yeah, in the, Sopr- <laughs> in the Sopranos, they, they ate it all every time, yeah. apparently. Yeah, and God, it, they're crazy. eating like pasta, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so it's just like rough. 12 takes of just eating fucking half plate of pasta. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. Oh, I would hate that. Yeah. Oh, dude. So, uh, how was your week reading this? Did you read a lot at the end, or did you just did you space it I read, out? Uh, I did all the reading yesterday. Nice. Do you like binge reading? Uh, it, it really depends. This section of the book, I knew I was gonna be able to get through very easily without ever being like, oh, maybe I should do something for half an hour. You know, mm-hmm. I, I knew I wouldn't really care to break. Yeah. Um, and then I also just. I don't, I don't know. I just I've been trying to barrel through The Witcher three because Cyberpunk comes out in two days. Oh, so I, I've been spending you know more time doing that and less time being responsible. <laughs> okay, yeah, I sort of just have been kind of cramming every time with these because I really enjoy the binge listen, you know. So mm-hmm. so it's hard for me to take. It's not hard, I guess, for me to take it in steps. But this is how I'm having to take it in chunks. Like I have to do it right at the end. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, I'll be yeah. thinking about it like all week. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I, this, my day this, was just a hundred percent Harry Potter yesterday. I did all the reading and then uh, made a quick dinner and watched the movie, and then folded nice. my laundry and went to sleep. <laughs> Good day. That's all it was. <laughs> Harry Potter Monday. Ooh. Harry Potter Monday. Were you off yesterday? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty okay. much always off Sunday Mondays. Nice, dude. That's good. Isn't it kind of crazy how? how much emotion they pack into Dumbledore dying in this book. And he's like the only death. Yeah. It's pretty so, crazy. And I guess, you know, it fits cause he's, uh, yeah, he's a know, huge aside character. from Harry, the most important figure in the entire world at this point. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, is is in the next one, we lose a lot of people. So it's, it'll be interesting to talk about just to like, yeah. not how, the, but how it also their deaths hits, get like, combed a, over, but, so like the majority of those deaths in the seventh book are like, like in a war sense, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, like the not death of Dumbledore comes back home, you know. Yeah, this is like the catalyst that starts it all. Like once oh, right, Dumbledore yeah. died, yeah, this is like really like everyone now is like, oh shit. Yeah, we're like it's you a know, big essentially deal. at war. At exactly. Um, let's see. What's uh? Oh, I was thinking, and this was kind of later in the reading uh, of this section. Uh, but uh, do you get to keep the potions that you make in potions class? Or no, you turn do them you in. Have to get rid of them. Well, you turn them yeah, in. But they in make for whole fools, and they just turn in a vial usually. But then, specifically, what I was thinking of was uh, mm. for um, the the day, the apparition test day, where there was just Ernie, Harry, and Draco in class, mm-hmm. and Slughorn was just like, "Eh, just do something fun." Uh, yeah. Whenever he went around to grade everything, he just went and looked at your potion. He didn't like take good. anything. Yeah, yeah. And what I mean, but what Harry had made was the potion for euphoria. And I was speaking. Thought, well, if he oh. made it perfectly, why wouldn't he want to keep that? <laughs> right. Why wouldn't Bring he want to just like go home and get high for a couple of hours or however long that potion lasts? He's got to work, dude. 
It's got homework. I so I don't know. But even if you could just take a like a drop of it, and that only last for like an hour, you just go to sleep on that. Like that's what the, <laughs> that's what the bad kids do. Yeah, Will. maybe so. You're that's what made me just... think. Maybe like you're not allowed. You're not supposed to hold on to your potions or something like that. Yeah, Hermione always cleans them up at the end. But a lot of times too, I feel like you're not really making a potion that you want to take. Is applicable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times it's like this one. Well, this is like the super cough syrup or whatever so it's like and they must be able to make potions in the dorm room or somewhere else if they want to because they can't expect like their only potion making practice to be in class right not when they especially if they have like homework and they have to be ready for like an exam or something you would think they would allow you to practice somehow and if you can make your potions in the dorm room then who's going to stop you from taking it (laughs) right and you're not supposed to... Yeah, I feel like the only time you can practice defense against the dark arts is in the class. Right? Right. Like, you're not supposed yeah. to do defensive spells against other witches and wizards in school. Yeah, well, yeah, ideally they're not attacking you, right? But it seems to... I mean, it. it we know that it happens, like, all the time. <laughs> and oh, so yeah. And just get caught and get put in trouble, you know, in detention or for whatever. Yeah, But then like Harry has to, at least specifically in this section of reading, there's one time where he's running from Peeves and using a deflection spell. So there's some general practice outside of the classroom. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, but I feel yeah, like that's part of the school. You there's an ability to be able to, and like in the fourth book, uh, the three of them, McGonagall catches them like trying out stuff for obviously Harry's training for the Triwizard mm-hmm. Tournament. And McGonagall's like, yeah, just use my room, whatever. Mm-hmm. So... I bet it also is sort of like, you know, on any given day, any given teacher might be like, fuck you guys, what are you doing? Or, oh, yeah, that's good that y'all are practicing. Like, you know, you never probably yeah. know. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, and then also the brewing the Felix Felicis potion takes six months. Yes, we, I like, remember that. Out. I was going to say that. I, I saw that and I was like, God, that's what we were asking about. Six months. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Oh, I, here's what I was gonna say. Um, I feel like there's a lot of. Remember how we were saying Slughorn? Like, even if he noticed that some of his Polyjuice potion was taken, like stolen from him on the first oh, day, he like, he would have yeah, just yeah. been like, "Oh, that's fun. Like, that'll right. be like let the kids be kids." Kind of. I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of like understood mischievousness that like the teachers allow because it's just like letting them be kids and kind of figure it out on their own. Yeah, um, which is cool. But I don't. You think that's real in like boarding schools? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would bet not. But my only understanding of boarding schools is just you know the popularized version of them, which is you know the the main character gets sent to one because his parents are terrible and he hates it there. Like you know that that's the only way that I've ever seen a boarding school. I've never known anybody that went to one. I, I certainly didn't go to one myself. They seem like a disciplinary thing. Oh, gotcha. Um, so I don't really know. Maybe, I mean, maybe there's something that's a little bit more forgiving. Um, yeah. There's probably not as many like co-ed boarding schools either. I imagine, I imagine it would be like a, like a men's Catholic school or whatever, yeah, private Catholic sort of thing. And then, uh, I hear those yeah. are actually really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're fun schools. Like it just like a lot of bros being bros <laughs> bro down. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, nothing like Hogwarts though. Right. Here, you want one of my notes? I took a bunch this week. Yeah, give them to me. All right. Um, Fox's song, when 
he was flying at Dumbledore's. I think it was before his funeral, like when he's. Uh, yeah, I don't think he shows up at the funeral. He's gone beforehand. Yeah, Harry starts, has a whole comment on how like Dumbledore is gone, and so is Fox now. Like he's leaving Hogwarts forever, just like Dumbledore did. It's uh, so sad. Yeah, it's pretty awful. It's like, yeah, where does Fox live? Does he just live on his own by himself forever? Yeah, does he just join the Wild Phoenixes? Or yeah, I always thought like, why doesn't he help Harry out next book? <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not interested in hanging out with Harry though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which he needs a new bird. I mean. We'll get there. Oh, spoiler but, alert. Sorry. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd think that, I guess Dumbledore didn't leave it to anybody in his will, did he? Maybe he did. He just didn't leave it to Harry. Right. I would yeah. think that Dumbledore wouldn't leave Fox to anybody in his will. I think that he would, he, he would be the guy that'd be like, no, Fox is as intelligent as I am and he has no owner. He dislikes me a lot. Or, you know, he would say something like that. Yeah. He's yeah. Like. I don't own Fox. He just happens. He just hangs right. out around me all the We're time. We're just the closest of friends. Yeah. I, f- I feel like Dumbledore would be so magically, uh, like he embodies magic. So like purely and innately, like he's kind of, you know, like in Dragon Ball Z, how Goku just kind of like oozes energy and they, and mm-hmm. they draw it visually out. Like, I feel like that's what Dumbledore would feel like to be around, but it would be magic instead of like your power level or whatever so like yeah i feel like he's just oozing magic and and because he's got so much like magic just like around him innately that like probably drew fox in yeah i could believe yeah. that because like what else would keep him around just loyalty friendship goodness what do they talk narrative. about <laughs> narrative <laughs> yeah <laughs> um Man, anyway, uh, so so what I was saying about Fox though, he was uh, okay. he sings this song when Dumbledore dies that uh, yeah. it embodies, like it's it diff it, it's like he's like Fox sings and it magically echoes through you and you hear mm-hmm. something that embodies like your feeling towards Dumbledore into like Fox's sorrow for losing Dumbledore because Fox was like the embodiment of Dumbledore. Like Fox always showed up when you talked about Dumbledore because he was so loyal, like you said. So it was, and then they even say like the magic was broken of the song and it wasn't talking about literally just that songs are magical and they can put you into a spell of like being entranced by like the literal music. But uh, Mm. it was more than that. It was like everyone, it was like everyone kind of got, he made it he said it resonated through him i think and that like yeah. i don't know it was like his own feelings towards Dumbledore. it was just so cool mm-hmm. how like i don't know i was imagining it being different for everybody and just like this magical thing happening like how in aragon all the stuff with dragons when uh, a dragon would do something magical it would always be super fantastical like something right. unimaginably uh crazy that nobody mm-hmm. Because we, they're just know, so inherently magical, you know, yeah, it's part that's, of their very nature. Exactly. And that's what this song felt like to me. So I just, mm-hmm. I wrote that down as a note. I was like, that's really pretty. That is a really cool idea. I don't, I hadn't ever extrapolated it that far like you had, but I like that a lot. I think that's a really cool way to look at yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought that was really pretty. Uh, I, Buckbeak uh, saves Harry. Oh yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I I did too. Comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wrote it down. Snape a bit. Yeah, fuck you, Snape. There's um, and then just before that, because obviously, like we talked earlier, you know, he has a fight with Malfoy or whatever. But, but why didn't why wasn't Harry wearing his invisibility cloak when he was spying on Malfoy and saw him crying with Moaning Myrtle? 
He's had his invisibility, he invisibility cloak him. in his pocket at all times this whole year up until this point. Yeah, he's too excited. I guess this so, is, yeah. This is the, the book where he learns patience. <laughs> <laughs> but, it was, you know, it's the thing that Dumbledore asked him to do at the beginning, you know, when he drops him off at the Weasleys. He says, have your invisibility cloak on you all the time from now I on. Feel like, yeah, I feel like I would abuse it. Like I would wear it all the time. Right. He does use it a lot. Like in the previous sections of reading uh, for this book, he, you know, because he happens to have it on hand when something happens, he's like, all right, time to, you know, I happen to have this on hand because a Dumbledore told me to. And then this is the first time that he just doesn't that day. I don't really get it. Just yeah. seems a little contrived. Contrived. <laughs> <laughs> Did she set this up? And then I've only got... Two other notes that are about the book, okay. but really they're about things that we've said uh, about the movie, about the book. <laughs> okay. Where in um, the book, Harry does not hide the book with Jenny. He does it on his own when he's ever when he's rushing back up the stairs to get Ron's, and then he goes to hide and then back down to Snape to show him the book. Mm -hmm. We had thought that Jenny helped him do it like after the fact, which is what happens in the movie, but not in the book. Uh, I thought he just ditched it in the room of requirement. He does, but what we were remembering was that Jenny went with him to do so, which does oh. not happen in the book. It is just gotcha. in the movie, and it's like after everything. It's like there's not a confrontation with Snape at all, even in the movie. In the movie, Snape just like glares at Harry, like "What did you do?" and then fixes up Malfoy, and Harry just goes back to the common room. No one gives a shit. Yeah. How did you know my magical curse? Right. I He's guess way we're more. Supposed to infer is that Snape is like, I don't need anybody knowing that that was my curse, so I'm not going to get you in trouble right now. I guess that's what the movie was going for. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Hmm. It was. I thought it was weird that he claimed ownership of all of those spells. He's very. He reads. It seems like he's just always reading Harry's mind in this one. Yeah. <laughs> like. Certainly in now the that we know he can do it. Yeah. Well, it's like that's all he does in class, too. It's like he's like, mm -hmm. attack your friends, but don't say the spells. So and then also anticipate their spells. So right, right. Yeah, he's definitely just, like amping up the antagonism towards Harry, this book. And he's just constantly using legitimacy. Like, like, how did he know Harry was lying instantly when he told him like? about that yeah. you know what i mean he's yeah. like you're lying go get your your books and he like he knew which book he was looking for he was look he was going for the potions book mm -hmm. well he you does know. like in that moment actually use legitimacy he you know says you will find out won't we and then harry thinks oh fuck he's gonna do it and oh. and then he's trying not to think about the book but snape ends up seeing the book which then i was sort of like <laughs> Okay, so how does he then, is Harry's, like, you know, giving him Ron's book good enough evidence when Snape's clearly seen his book in his memory? I don't know. <laughs> it seemed yeah, a little weak in that moment, but I guess that was sort of like, I guess maybe that also goes back to the possibility of Snape not necessarily wanting that book to be found out. Yeah, I thought it was weird that Snape claimed that he created those spells, like, because... Lupin was just saying that the Levi Corpus just went in and out of went in and out of style, you know, like it was a fad, like almost like you heard about it in mm -hmm. Witch Weekly or something. Yeah, and I guess maybe that would be like, like maybe because in that conversation when he makes that statement, 
uh, Lupin is like be, is being placating towards Harry, right? So maybe he wanted to downplay it a little bit. Uh, maybe Lupin doesn't know that it was Snape that created it. Maybe the first person that he saw use it was James, and James, you know, took it from Snape, but didn't want to say that's who he took it from. Yeah, and I mean, if he made that spell too, and James and Sirius were supposed to be the best, like witches and wizards of like their generation or whatever, like they could have made it up too. Like it can't be that hard to make up a spell, especially if you're the point of your day is spent. Let's make up a spell to to mess with Snape. Yeah, I just thought it was odd that he claimed like like when him and Harry were dueling, he was like, "You're trying to use my spells against me," you know. Mm-hmm. And he like, does specifically dude, say, "Just like your father did." He says something like, "You, like you think to be like your father and use my spells against me, or something like that." He, he, I would definitely do that though if I was in a duel with Snape. Use his own spells against him. Right. Well, he's got good ones, so. <laughs> well, he made them himself. It's true. It seems to be the case. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we have to assume that you know he is telling the truth on that, but you know, there's definitely potential holes in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never. I never saw the plot hole. And if you summed it up, though, I thought it was a plot hole that, like, he didn't go question Borgen and Burke or whatever. But you're right. Like, his memories are probably inconsequential to what we what Harry needs to know for the, the Horcruxes and stuff. Yeah. I'm sure that Dumbledore intended there to be further lessons in which, you know, maybe some of those additional memories would have been used. But this was the path that he had started. And I guess he felt like this, you know, this sequence of memories would be, you know, best suited for, you know, his instructioning intentions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So going into the next book, how many Horcruxes do we have? We have, we've taken out the, no, we don't know where the locket is. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, we there's another thing it's that we destroyed. sort of miscounted a little bit on accident was the number of Horcruxes because it's supposed to just be seven, pieces of the soul the one still being in voldemort so there should only be six horcruxes uh, at least by what voldemort intended he Mm -hmm. doesn't realize that he has a seventh one in harry Uh, harry crux yeah but yeah so the 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 ring and the diary are taken care of we just need the we know about the locket and the and the chalice or whatever Mm -hmm. hufflepuffs and then and then possibly we got a sneak something they, they suspect the snake already. And then right. um, possibly something of Gryffindor's and possibly something of Ravenclaw's. They, it's one of those two is the only, that's the only question is, you know, yeah. what's that mystery, you know, sixth one. Yeah. But, but Dumbledore does say that we know, he says that he knows Gryffindor's sword was safe. Yeah. And that's the only, the, the, something else mildly interesting that he says is he, he states that that's the only known remaining artifact of Godric Gryffindor's, but the hat was his too. Yeah, so he's lying. Yeah. The lies. It's all a bunch of lies. <laughs> Dude, I was thinking how much is Dumbledore manipulating everything? Because when Harry was forcing him to drink that potion, he even thought, did Dumbledore just bring me here to make me force feed him potion? Because Dumbledore could have just made like Dobby come. You know, right? And he could have made Dobby force him to drink the potion. Like he needed Harry to go. Yeah, it makes it the the it journey just, into the caves makes it seem like Dumbledore's done nothing but just find the cave up to this point that he didn't do any okay. further scouting. Uh, because he has to figure out the blood door, and he's sort of like sitting there thinking, "Is like, 
oh no it can't be that that's just so crude like you know he's like sort of thinks that maybe it could have been you know Voldemort could have done a little bit better on that and like he's finding that out in the moment that's the impression I got yeah hmm I wonder why they didn't interrogate creature a little bit more yeah you certainly once Harry realized oh I can give him orders (laughs) well well just and the fact that he I mean I guess because he would never give away uh Regulus's secrets so like he's magically safe there yeah possibly yeah you don't like as a house elf you you don't have to give away your master secrets and they didn't force him to like they didn't give him veritas serum or anything they're not like forcing him to do it but yeah i thought it was funny that that uh slughorn was like i had all of my uh all of this wine tested or whatever oh, <laughs> like yeah. he made the house elves taste all of his stuff <laughs> right that was such an interesting line <laughs> I was just like, you can just do that? Okay. Freaking weirdo. Right. I guess the house elves... Are, are they bound to listen to the teachers? Because I guess that's what it would be. <laughs> yeah, they must be. And uh, can't he just... He's a potions master. He can detect antidotes, that's right? That's what I thought. Like, surely there's some way for you to test if it's poisonous or not. <laughs> He's like, well, I've done all I can magically. The only thing left is to make a house elf try it. Right. He can and it's see house that Harry wine. put peppermint in his euphoria potion, which was unorthodox, but he couldn't tell if his wine is poisoned on his own. Just just making sure <laughs> he made a house elf try it. Right. He's got to have that sweet, sweet house elf taste, you know? Yeah. The fresh, fresh off the lips of a house elf. Mm. Uh, never better. Never better. <laughs> the, the other thing that... Um, we were thinking uh, there were, I think we just made like a very brief comment on it, you know, uh, quoting the joke that Dumbledore makes when he's like, well, there's benefits to being me. And then he can apparate from out from within Hogwarts doesn't happen in the book. That's the movie only as well. Mm. They actually walk down into Hogsmeade before they apparate to the cave. So another quick little miss that we had another instance yeah. of the movie supplanting the book in our memories. I didn't even remember that. It just seemed to make sense. I was just like, yeah, Dumbledore, can, if he can lift it in the Great Hall for an hour. Maybe he just lifted it so that you could apparate inside of the Great Hall. Like, I don't think yeah, you can apparate yeah, out of the building. Like a, a local apparition that was happening. So I guess that's yeah, but he can make, part of what it was. Yeah, whatever. He can just make a port key, though. So he'll be like, Portus. <laughs> it's weird that you can... The book. It's kind of... Okay, well, here's, here's one. It's weird that you can do like the asio the the asio charm oh, on stuff mm. that you haven't even seen like harry's just yeah. asio rosmerda's brooms and i'm thinking about them hard enough so they have to come and i said the spell so like it's cool magically you know because mm-hmm. that's when we first see the spell used like mrs weasley's like asio 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 and she's like concentrating on fred and george's little suckers or whatever like mm. the ton tongue toffees right that's hard to say yeah say it try, try saying it ton tongue coffees coffees you met yeah, it see, it's hard. Immediately, I messed it up. That should be our warm-up. Tun-tun toffee. <laughs> right. Tun-tun toffee. You think Fred and George are just making fucking bank right now? They must be. They certainly make it seem that way. Every time we see them, they're in new outfits. Yeah, and they're not... And they have to go into hiding in the next book, right? Yes. I think everybody so, in the Yeah, because they're blood traders. Yeah, and they're in the order. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, they... It also, they also make it seem like you don't need any money to survive. Because, <laughs> like, right. 
And, yeah, I mean, you can do you magic. Can, if you've got good enough conjuring charms, you know, if you're proficient enough at that, then you're good to go. Harry gets Slughorn and Hagrid drunk off of conjuring more wine. Yeah, that was cool. Which makes me think, why would anybody ever buy wine <laughs> if you can yeah, just why... make it? Oh, because you probably accidentally drank all of it. Like, oh, crap, I forgot to make more, and I drank the last bit. Does it need, like, that source to refill? Um, it's one of the laws of elemental transfiguration. But they use the Aguamenti spell to put out Hagrid's house, and it just shoots water from their wand. Yeah, because it make it's it's doing that BS like pulling like it, from the atmosphere. Oh, it like condenses the water and the air around mm-hmm. it. Oh, I see. I yeah, because it can't. It's one of uh, uh, Gimp's laws of transfiguration. You can't like create something from nothing, but you can make more of uh, whatever there is already. So, like, I'm okay. assuming that that like somehow magically it's making water and then making more of the water, like probably condensing the air particles into the agua aguamenti. Because like you can't just make, you can't say like carnivorous and then you get like a like a beefsteak, you know, like <laughs> right. that'd be dope though. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that, that makes sense. I like, the, I like the universe in which magic is just magic though. <laughs> yeah. seems like you should be able to just like Asio some fish out of the, out of the stream though. Yeah, surely. You just point it at the river in general and say, you know, echo fish and any fish comes up. Could be a shark. Gotta be careful. Asio deer, and then you, and then Ron is sitting there, <laughs> he's and he's flying like, through the woods. Impedimenta, dude, we would be the best wizards. Yep. We would never have to buy anything. We've already figured it out. <sighs> We're so good at magic already. <laughs> Did you watch any that movies would, yet? No, I keep, uh, I keep just thinking like, no, it's too much to watch. It's, <laughs> it's such an ordeal. It's such a thing now. Um, and I don't want to taint my memory of the books. Oh, no, oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding but uh here let me let me hit you with one of my notes though yeah give me some more okay what do you think about bill's werewolf curse bites uh i'm fine with the way that it's handled it's a hot take by will try by will i'm just kidding (laughs) uh yeah i thought it was cool just that like he's he's so animalistic that like his his werewolfness is like bleeding into his human side like he's embracing it Mm -hmm. you know like it's almost like he's harnessing like this cursed magic into because he wasn't you know he didn't attack on a full moon so he wasn't using a werewolf spell but he did still somehow harness some of the werewolf magic in him which is kind of cool yeah for it to so if still you th- make a cursed wound yeah so if you think of it kind of like that and then we write our fanfic about a werewolf kid that embraces his werewolf powers and uh what would what would it what would be a benefit of that just that he's like plus five strength and yeah. speed. <laughs> it seems like all that would be better. I don't think he'd be better at magic. Maybe you could be like a pro athlete then. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you could just cheat. Yeah. Well, they always make it, I feel like stereotypically werewolves are, are like, not the jock, but in the Twilight, that's what it was. It was like these jock type like beefcakes and yeah, uh, because it just made you the best version of yourself like that you could possibly ever be <laughs> yeah and it, it always seemed like they they you never find like a fat guy that's a werewolf like they they always seem to run it off <laughs> that one night of the, the month <laughs> right <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> an entire month worth of calories run off in that one night. I could believe it though. Uh, if you like you transform in an extremely painful way, just going through that, you know, relatively excruciating pain, you know, transforming to and from that burns a lot of calories for sure. Yeah. Fenrir Greyback is like just trying to embrace that, that high all the time. He's like, ah, right. Always like, he likes he, killing children. Monster. Yeah, he's burning. He's burning so many calories. How many calories oh, does yeah. one child murder burn? Um, like twenty five hundred. Probably. I was gonna say yeah. Probably like a thousand at least. Hmm. Get your heart rate going, dude. How many hot and spicy McChickens is that? Four. Okay. Nice. Four hot and spicy McChickens. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like two fifty calories. I think for one of those. That sounds right. Or two ten. I, I don't know why I'm thinking those numbers. I'm good at calories. Hit me in with. Ask me another one. How many carrots? Calories? Forty. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. I got more notes. Let me hit you with another one. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I thought that werewolf thing was kind of cool and. And it's funny that, like, so there are some leftover effects that Bill has to deal with, <laughs> you yeah. know, that, that aren't really a big deal, but he's probably just, like, he's probably cranky on the full moon. <laughs> right, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, I just thought that was fun. It, and it was interesting that they said, uh, like, cursed scars have had that lingering dark magic, you know. Mm. Okay, and then one of my notes is Buckbeak. Uh, so, give Buckbeak okay, another Buck shout-out. Witherwings, sorry. Oh. Um, yeah, sorry. Oh, dude. So, how skilled is Malfoy? He's pretty freaking talented, man. Like, he's a good wizard. He can do that. Yeah. Uh, he can he can do the same charm Hermione does on the uh, on the the Galleons for the DA. Oh, he does yeah. that mm-hmm. to communicate with uh, Rosmerta. No, with yeah, uh, yeah, with Rosmerta because he's got her Imperiust. Imperiust, yeah. Which I thought was kind of weird that you can't just that he would have to communicate with her. You know. Like, if she's already imperious, dude, I thought that he yeah, was good. I'm not 100% but, positive on that either. You're right. Yeah, it seems like what's the point if you have to, like, be in constant communicado? But I guess maybe he was constantly trying to use her to get Dumbledore. Yeah, maybe so. Like, hopefully Dumbledore goes out for a drink at her bar tonight, and then I'll have her imperious. So let me know if Dumbledore's there and I'll... Right. That makes but sense. But you'd think that she'd be pre-programmed to, like, to... Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he's not very good at that charm, apparently. <laughs> but he's good at... he. It, I don't know. I thought Maybe it was like interesting the, so how good he was at... she communicate with him easily. There we go. Okay. That that makes sense. At the very least, well, that. Uh, yeah. And he does a N-E-W-T standard spell. That, uh, that, that charm is N-E-W-T standard, that is. We learned mm-hmm. in the last book. Yeah, that's true. Pretty sure Ernie tells us. Freaking Ernie. So anyway, Ernie I was just... I, was, I just want... Yeah, I just wanted to give Malfoy a shout out because I think he's talented. Yeah, and Malfoy's finally interesting again. That's one of the other extremely good things about this book, I think. He finally matters. He's he's a bad guy again, yeah. Um, Okay. Oh, I thought it was weird that Dumbledore was like, uh, magic leaves behind traces and I taught Tom Riddle, so I know his style. It's like, dude, don't get all cocky like you you can tell now. I don't know. I just thought it was weird that he's like, I know his style. So I, I wrote it down. I thought it was so weird. Um, I, I wrote down also a side note that Tonks must be at least kind of cute because Harry always seems super embarrassed when she finds him in like, she always finds him 
yeah, on the floor. In, in and he's extra like situation. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and he, he is embarrassed by it where maybe he might not be, I guess if it was Remus or somebody, but I don't know. I, I just wrote that she's probably cute. So that's why he's extra nervous around her. I can see that. I think that I uh, felt that way like the first time I was reading the books. I remember having like a bit of like a, you know, character crush on Tonks. Yeah, it's easy also with that actress. She does a good job. Yeah, I like her a lot. She rules. It's it's not what I imagine when I'm imagining the character for Tonks. For some reason, I'm imagining the little drawing I think we get of Tonks, which is not like the cutest little drawing in the book, but it's... It's a, it's I'm kind imagining of, yeah, like a skinny like little like girl with a button nose face, and then yeah. she was always had like short spiked hair in the first couple of books that we see her in. True, she just grow it out or yeah, do whatever. I man. wouldn't really metamorph magic. Just like short spiked hair it would not be my tastes in uh, girls. But she would know, and she then she'd just she would just throw her hair back, and it would just grow longer and beautiful into flowing red locks of curly beautiful hair and then you'd be like "Ugh, i don't want that shit and then you and then she'd and then it'd just be straight black hair right then after and she'd be like what do you want i'll do anything so. <laughs> oh okay um this is the this is one of the headlines for uh for, for the the daily prophet i was like holy crap this is like this is like is I don't know. It was just really bad news. You okay, know, it was yeah. terrible, mm-hmm. terrible news. Okay, nine-year-old reported trying oh, to God, kill yeah. grandparents. Yeah, that's a little <laughs> it's like extreme. what? They're imperious, cursing nine-year-olds and making them try to kill their family. That's right. so messed up, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. So I wrote it down, and then Mund- there's only one jail. Mundungus was sent to Azkaban. Yeah. I mean, he did a pretty terrible thing. If if what he's uh, if what he's accused of is true. Yeah. Apparently, he was impersonating Inferius, mm-hmm. Inferi. I don't know, whatever the plural is for that word, but he yeah. was like somehow faking Imperiuses to like, I think, steal something. So it was just like, yeah, that's gross. You shouldn't do that. Pretty low level Mundungus stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that was my note. Just that, <laughs> Yeah. And there's no jail. It's just like, if anybody, if you're bad, you just have to go to Asgaman. Um, so that's what I wrote for the news, just that the news is crazy dark. What is augury? Um, it it gets used in different ways, um, but I think most commonly augury is a form of sort of like fortune telling, but not really. It's like a uh, like uh, looking into the future. It's like f- uh, foreseeing things about uh, like okay. receiving general direction. It's it's pretty vague oh. in my understanding. Um, okay, because the only word I'd ever heard that was close to that one was I think arbor arborist. <laughs> so I was uh, like, "This is what he's talking about." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "That's not what he's talking about." But I thought it was funny the little joke that J.K. Rowling made when Ron's uh, self correct his autocorrect wand was messing up. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> Hermione was like an. Augury doesn't start with O R G. Yeah. So orgy. He was writing something that was having in it as an orgy, and I was like, that's silly. Yeah. That was a funny uh, little joke. Yeah. Um oh, we should invent the traveling uh potion cauldron so that it allows for brewing on the go. Because there's obvi- there's gotta be traveling wizards, so there would be a market for it. Yeah. And if and I don't know if it would be as simple as just like putting it on a gyroscope. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. And then magically imbuing that so that it like it always has like its lovely, you know what I mean? Like those never spill bowls that were you remember those like as seen on oh, TV? Yeah, like it was just, like little just like all it was just a little gyroscope. <laughs> they it was out. like <laughs> it was for your kids for like a snack. You can you can put their Cheerios in there and they can't spill them anyway. Right. <laughs> That'd be a good one for me. That would be cool. Um, I would like that. I think I would like to have so, one of those right now as an adult, and I would put Cheerios in it, and then it would just sit on my desk, and I wouldn't worry about spilling it. That, yeah. Well, I know what to get you for Christmas. Nice. If they exist. A little child um, thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll call it the portable cauldron, though. Anyway, that's what we would do. We would use our science background imbued with magic oh, to go. make Fusing stuff beyond their comprehension. Yeah, bro. For a greater product. See, making muggles matter. Making muggles matter. Triple M. That's the and, name of our company. Yeah, that would be, dude. If wizards and witches are real, we will start. We will be the president and vice president of making muggles matter. If you guys need some spokespeople, just let us know. Yes, you're listening to our podcast. <laughs> um, okay, so back to my notes. These are these. Do you like these notes? Yeah. Nice. I, I thought that <laughs> augury one was funny. Uh, oh, dude, the riddle interview. Oh, I thought this was cool. The very, very good. Um, what's it called when you have like consistency through scenes, like in a show? Oh, continuity. Thank you. This is this was a good, really good continuity that she kept throughout um, the books because it was something that I pointed out randomly on one of our read-throughs that uh, McGonagall was hired during the winter. And so it must have been because Dumbledore, because Dippet or whoever was the headmaster before Dumbledore, he must have stepped down for some reason after something that had happened in the winter or whatever. And Dumbledore is like freshly appointed new headmaster when Voldemort goes to interview. And it's and there's uh it's like it's uh hold on the riddle the I wrote down that the riddle interview was on a snowy night, which tracks because that's when he would have been like appointed headmaster nearly, you know what I mean? Mm. So like, that's when he would have been looking for an opening. Uh, he was probably interviewing for transfiguration, but, <laughs> but Voldemort was like, I would like to interview for defense against the dark arts, please. Right. <laughs> He's like, I'm not yeah. taking interviews for that right now. I'm, I'm really just looking for a transfiguration teacher, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I just thought that it, that it all tracked because I, I don't know if that was intentional or if it's even at the right timeline, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that right after the last headmaster for what, for whatever, I don't even remember why he goes steps down. I feel like it's Voldemort. They never mention it. it. I don't think. We just know that there's a transition at some point that Armando Dippet was the headmaster before Dumbledore, and and that's all that we know. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like Voldemort would have wanted Dippet to step down because Dippet still was considering hiring uh, Tom. Right at the very least, you know, he's like, but come back in a couple years when you get some experience. And I think that Dumbledore always knows. Or not? I'm sorry. Uh, other way around. Voldemort always knows that Dumbledore doesn't a hundred percent trust him. Right. So I think that. I, well, I guess the timing. The only reason he needed to go back to Hogwarts was to put his Horcrux back. Yeah. Like that's why he goes. He doesn't. He knows he's not going to get the job. If he can manage to bonus, but yet yeah, not his primary so, function. So that, yeah, so that was probably his only excuse to even go to Hogwarts, you know, 
So mm-hmm. that's probably why I did it, just because he was like, this is the perfect timing. Is a good excuse to go back to Hogwarts. Yeah. Dumbledore won't see me sneak off and hide this. I'll take the train. <laughs> the train. He probably, I feel like he has to come into Hogsmeade and then fly up to the cat or like walk up. That seems to be what. No, yeah, he did go through Hogsmeade yeah. because he had Death Eaters waiting for him oh, at yeah. the, at his, at the, at the end. Okay. Um, I noted this time what you said last time, <laughs> but I, I noticed it and I wrote down, it was interesting that they call him Voldemort. And the memories, like they're they're talking about him, mm-hmm. a, in a time where he's still partially known as Tom. You know, yeah. like I always kind of thought that they ta- they called him Tom when they could because it was kind of like not a dig, but it was you know he, they knew he doesn't like it, so I right, felt like they right. always would say it when they could get away with it. But uh, anyway, I just thought it was interesting what you had pointed out last time that they call him Voldemort in the memories, and uh, yeah, they kept uh, true with that. Um, I thought, okay, you. These are all notes that you said several books ago that I'm, <laughs> that I'm writing down again that are like playing out more. It's like there definitely should be more ways to magically solve crimes. Just like how in the fourth book you were like, how are there not more detective wizards? Like these guys yeah, suck at magical right. crime solving. Like they should have figured out a long time ago that Winky. Like they should, they should know when. Like there should be a like something that a really talented wizard or whatever, like they should, there should be some marker in your memory that like, Oh, okay. This is fake. Like, I know this is fake. Like it was obvious with Slughorn's memory. Cause it was like, it like fades hastily out and stuff thrown like together. Yeah. But I don't know. It seems like they should have been able to, uh, they should have been able to do something to during Hokie's confession for like, wait, you killed your, you killed your mistress, that lady that you're sworn to love. Like right. you did it on accident because you're a senile elf. Let's like, and nobody looks into it because what else do you have going on? Like, really, what did you have going on that week yeah. that was like you, you didn't have time to look into this? Voldemort didn't even exist yet. Right. Like, The excuse there know. is I, that they care so little about house elves that, of course, they're like, oh, oh the house elf confessed, so whatever. Whatever. Yeah, makes thing, sense. You know? That's it. You did it. Thank you. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, it's definitely stupid. And you would think that anybody... <laughs> who had that job that really cared about doing their job well would think like exactly like you said, this doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. We should find out what happened. <laughs> but uh, yeah. the last thing that I have written down is just that I think it's cool that whether Malfoy realizes it or not, he, um, he like, I don't know how to say this. Mimicry is like the, most sincere form of flattery mm-hmm. or whatever and he's copying Hermione all the time like right. he's always listening to stuff that she says he's copying her for that like he's like I got the idea from that mud blood and it's like dude oh, yeah, you why love are you paying attention to her so hard yeah <laughs> well it's just it's funny that he know that like like he's he's copying things that she says mm-hmm. like he, that's always how he gets his plans when he hears some fa- like he like even in the first day of potions class this year like he he doesn't know what the Felix Felicis potion is, but Hermione does. And so when Slughorn like sets the trap, like he doesn't tell them what the last potion is. So then Ernie's like, Professor, you didn't tell us what's in yeah. the last one. And he's like, Ooh, thanks for asking. Um, like Draco didn't know what was in there, but mm-hmm. when he heard Hermione start talking about it, he was like, Ooh, like right. she's definitely right. Like she definitely of knows course. what this yeah. is and she's always <laughs> right. So I don't know. I think it's cool that, whether he wants to or not, he's kind of 
He certainly recognizes know, he's, he's, that, you know, she's... Thank you, you know, thank you. She's intelligent and capable. Thank you. That's exactly what I was trying to say. And he hates that he knows that. <laughs> he hates that he has <laughs> he to hates accept it. it. <laughs> exactly. It's true. just funny. So he's like, whatever, if I'm accepting it, I might as well f- learn from it. Right, yeah. I don't know. It's it's, it's kind of woke and not at the same time, <laughs> you know? Right. I don't know. It's uh, like a, I just thought a, that a was silly, so I wrote it down. Yeah. There's a so. speaking of Hermione and the movie when they're coming back from Hogsmeade and the whole thing with Katie Bell happens. Hermione yeah. is visibly drunk. She is like stumbling all over the place and yeah. then she like throws her arms over Harry and Ron as, as they continue to walk. And I was like, God damn. In the in the movie? Yeah, in the movie. Yeah, I remember that now that you're mentioning it. And they get pretty drunk after their apparition test. <laughs> Like, they're tipsy when they come back to talk to Harry. Oh, they're both yeah, goofy. Yeah. And I just don't know how I never really noticed it before. Because last week I was talking about, oh, yeah, Butterbeer's alcoholic. Duh. Like, I should have yeah. always known that. It's so obvious. But I don't know how I never caught it. Or, like, maybe I I just didn't care. And there, yeah, <laughs> there are no laws in, when you're in the wizarding world. It's just odd. They can get drunk. They share bathrooms if they're prefects, you know. Hogwarts is but crazy. Fire whiskey's, dude. like, not allowed. The what? Is fire whiskey's not allowed? Like they're not old enough for fire whiskey? I guess not, but they can just get some from Slughorn. Like, <laughs> you know, he just gives yeah. them alcohol. He gives Harry that Slughorn's glass of wine the whenever they uh, go down to Hagrid's. And Harry just, you know, decides, no, I'm not going to drink this because I need to be 100%. Felix is telling me I shouldn't drink Dude. this. Dude, Slughorn is definitely a drug dealer. Oh, yeah. He's definitely, you know how he was like at Hagrid's and he's like, these go for 10 galleons a hair. Yeah. <laughs> Can I have all of your unicorn hairs? He's, totally he's like, just he's like trying to sling. Yeah. Oh, dude, if somebody came up to him and, and wanted like, hey, can you get me some fire whiskey? Like, so like I'm going to be like, dude, anything for a fellow Slytherin. Right. Yeah. I hope you're, I hope you're having a fun party, you know? I bet a, a large number of potions masters do under the table dealings like that, though. Because they have, you know, like the means of acquiring the the odd ingredients like if somebody let's say that you were a potion master and i needed i, I don't know yeah a dragon liver or something and that's something that's really difficult to take get because it's like highly regulated or something like that right but you as like yeah. a registered potions master you probably have license to handle that sort of stuff just like our chemistry teacher had a license for plutonium you know like so like you would he have, did yeah tuxhorn he had a license to handle plutonium Dude, he's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> he was in my dream last night. Oh, that's but that doesn't matter. Pretty serendipitous. But um, yeah, that's why I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but like, so you would, uh, as somebody who has the connections to at least be licensed to deal with those, you know, regulated substances, would be a connection mm-hmm. to that for people who aren't do who don't have that connection, you know. So I bet that yeah. a lot of people who you know are potion masters and you know deal in that world, I bet they do a bunch of under the table shit like that. Yeah, I mean, so we're hanging out. Right? With... There's no laws for one. So. <laughs> yeah, as you were saying that, I was going through all this like men- these mental gymnastics of like of cool Snape, you know, like <laughs> cool if we were, you know what right, I mean, like right. if we were Slytherins, like part of his house, like the Snape that doesn't cool, cool Snape, weed, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, the one that probably gets you fire whiskey. I was like, I was thinking, does Snape do that? And I was like, well, I just immediately made Slughorn do it for his Slytherins, and he doesn't even know these kids. Right. Like Snape knows all of them. He's known him for years. He loves Malfoy. He'd probably for sure get Malfoy, Malfoy fire whiskey, but like, 
Malfoy probably doesn't even need a plug. He's probably got his mom like hooking him. Or he probably just well, not anymore. I was gonna say he just make his house off to it, and he doesn't have one. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's probably got a connect. You think the Slytherins are like all up to no good, or they it seems like everyone's good. kind of like a goody two shoes. Like I don't see all that like that much mischief happening. We're hanging out with the jocks though, so right. Yeah. It- it also it's another example of like how large is the student body because if it's as small as they try to make it seem like then that that makes it more difficult to get away with things right because there's more attention on any okay, individual there you student go. but if the student body is as large as they also try to make it seem like <laughs> yeah like they can fill a stadium yeah then but there's also like easy to a get single potions class like if there's you know yeah. 2000 kids in that school then mm-hmm. yeah, I would definitely try to get away with things here and there. But if there was fifty kids in that school, I would be much less likely to try and get away with shit. Yeah, like you you order something from Borgen and Burke, and like this is before Phils would check out all the mail, so like all the owls are flying in. But it's like the one day that nobody got any mail, so it's like just your right. owl and a couple like newspapers. It's like oh crap, as opposed to being <laughs> one of see a thousand it. owls, it's one of ten. You know, <laughs> like everybody right. sees what everybody's getting in that scenario. You know. Yeah. Uh, the other I'd be like, note don't that come during the great hall. Is a completely pointless note. It's just something that I noticed. But they make it as if Katie Bell and Ramilda Vane are in the same grade as Harry, which they obviously aren't. Katie Bell's Ramilda's a, a fifth year, year. and Ramilda's Ramilda's a fourth year, isn't she? But she's definitely mm, younger. She is, you're right. Um, she is and a fourth we know year. that Katie's older. But in the movie, they put Katie and Ramilda in the potions class with them, which all the classes it's are just year easier. by year by year. Yeah, it was just easier because they weird. You know, Katie Bell has an actual like speaking part in the narrative of this book, and then Ramilda mm-hmm. Vane is important so that Ron can get you know uh, poisoned. Yeah, so they have to put both of Cho- them in there. Yeah. I did not notice Cho at all in this movie. I don't think she's so in it. So she graduated? Um, they don't mention it. She's but she's two year, grades right? above them, isn't she? Isn't that what we so remember? She that's what I or thought we were remembering. So she wouldn't have been there. You're right. Yeah. No, no choke. She's either one or two years above. Like, but Well, we didn't get any of her this book. Either. Yeah. They, don't, they yeah. mention her in reference to their relationship, but they never say mm-hmm. like, oh, and there was Cho or something like that, you know? Or do right. they? On the bus or the bus on the train into school, didn't he walk by the? Yeah, that's when cabin? that's when we see her, and it's just that I one think. time. They never, we never see Cho again. I don't think. Oh, I feel well, like her parents pull her out of school. Ginny obviously becomes seeker when Harry can't, and that's against Ravenclaw. And Harry's imagining Ginny oh, versus Cho. That's hot because the, you know they're both. Well, one was his girlfriend, and one is his yet to be girlfriend at that point in time. They're both playing Seeker. They're both playing for who gets the house cut because it's either going to be Ravenclaw or Gryffindor, depending on the extreme outcome of this game. <laughs> yeah, is Seeker easy? <laughs> they make it seem like they can just... Ginny's just like the best at Quidditch. She can just play every position. Of course, then Ginny fanfic goes on like J.K. Rowling is like, she becomes part of the Windborne Wall. No, the part of the Holyhead Harpies, one of the, the all-female Quidditch team, mm. you know? So she's legit at yeah, Quidditch. But I mean, I believe it. They, why not? It's just, I don't know. It's kind of funny how, like, 
they didn't practice Quidditch at all in the fourth year. <laughs> yeah, and uh, right. <laughs> and then it's not like Jenny's playing Quidditch next year. Yeah. School sucks next year. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just funny that like these are their like their practice points for Quidditch. And then it's just like, all right, let's try out for the professionals. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just immediately. I don't, I don't know. Since, I think like, all it's all they ever do during a regular, you know, run of the mill Hogwarts school year. They practice, I don't know, twice a week. And then mm-hmm. they only play four games. Not even. I'm sorry. They play three games in the season. And that's enough. Yeah. To, so let's say you're Harry Potter. And you make it on in your first year, something that nobody's ever done. And you finish nice. your school career, you know, seven years. So that's 21 games you've played. And now you can become a professional. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's 28, right? Well, seven no, you're right. Only three three games. No, I can't multiply. Yeah. But and then he doesn't even play the last year. year. You know, and yeah, he doesn't play the last year and he doesn't play his fourth year. So he and he doesn't play like his entire umbrage year and the last game of this year. Harry's played like seven games. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He Yeah. And he's yeah, it's obviously super dangerous too. everybody's getting freaking knocked out. And yeah, but with magic, it's not that like costly of an injury when you, you know, break your arm. Yeah. It also. I didn't realize how I didn't realize that uh, Fang was howling in pain oh, when from the, house the burning yeah. log cabin. That yeah, was I was like, extreme. "What the hell?" I thought he got him out. Yeah, so poor Fang. I know, right? I totally forgot about that part of the sequence. You know, when he, Harry's chasing Snape and Draco down to the gate and mm-hmm. by Hagrid's house. I totally forgot about that part of the sequence. Yeah, it's always cute too, and. Hagrid's doing magic. Harry's like, it's Aguamenti, by the way. And he's like, oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and they put his house up. It's such like an oddly, like, like shock-induced moment of calm when they're putting out Hagrid's house. Because Harry's sort of yeah. like, he can't believe anything that just happened. He doesn't really understand anything that just happened. And he recognizes that he failed to resolve it. And Hagrid just doesn't know. Hagrid just thinks, yeah. like, oh man, that's and, crazy. Death Eaters got in, but Dumbledore will sort it out, you know. And Harry's just, yeah, I hope he can put my house together. Right, yeah. It's a weird <laughs> moment of calm, and it's interesting to kind of see why it exists, and you know, because Harry's in, you know, like a million percent shock, and Hagrid has no idea. Yeah, this is Ned Stark getting executed in Game of Thrones. This is like, this is when Game of Thrones would have started. Right, yeah. If if we, they had killed Harry in the first <laughs> <book>. <laughs> Yeah, Game of Thrones would have started book six and it would have just gotten darker and crazier. And it would have told us all of the deep, dark magic stuff that we keep asking each other. Right, yeah. We'd have all these answers. We'd have a better understanding of how house elves work. Yeah, I think that it's weird how some house elves are cute and it's like some are just disgusting. It's almost like all of the ones except for Dobby are gross. Right. Like, and I imagine all of the schoolhouse elves to look just like Dobby. <laughs> I don't imagine anything else other than other Dobbies from the schoolhouse elves. Something that I He's like my... really miss in the movies that is in the books is those other house elves. Like, we don't see Dobby at all. Well, we, we see, we literally see him like twice in this book, but not, he's not in the movie at all. He wasn't mm-hmm. in uh, Order of the Phoenix at all, the movie. Um mm-hmm. He was 
of course, in the movie for... No, he wasn't in the Goblet of Fire movie at all either. We don't see him after Azkaban until Deathly Hallows Part 2. I don't even think we see him in Part 1 of the movie. No, we do because... I can't say it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, It'll it's, just, it's odd cry. that he's gone. But like, I, I wish that there had been the scene where they go down to the kitchens in you know the fourth book. And all yes, that, that would have been awesome. There's just so much. Yeah. And of course, the movies are already very long. They're all each at a minimum two hours. Um, and of course, they can't fit everything into them. Yeah. But it's just a reminder of how much you lose whenever you transition mediums for any story. Not not just this one, you know. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they ever do Harry Potter again. It'll probably be like series format, you know, and it would be a, mm-hmm. I don't know if they ever could redo it. You know, do you think I they can't imagine can redo they stuff like Harry Potter? I don't or see how you Lord could ever Rings. show me a different Harry Potter. Like it has to be Daniel Radcliffe. It's too iconic. Right? I I uh, I remembered something from his interview uh, in McGonagall's class in the first movie when they have all those animals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's real. Oh, yeah. They have like 60 <laughs> animals on set. Yeah. He said they have like 60 animals Jeez. on set. <laughs> he said For it was crazy. one shot, really. Because we don't see a whole lot of the like any of their classrooms except for... Like, I, I can't even think of the last time we've been in a Transfiguration class in the movies. Yeah, we don't take that class anymore. Yeah, we're done with it. It's. I think. I think we take a class when we're learning about... Um, Anna Maggi, because she turns into a cat. Mm-hmm. No, we don't. We just learn about Anna Magis from Snape the time he's teaching potions, and McGonagall just changes into a cat uh, on their first uh, day of yeah. of class because that, she's yeah. sitting as a cat yeah. on the mm-hmm. table, and then she turns into McGonagall. Big trick. Which, yeah. So why would they applaud? It's like we've already seen it. <laughs> we've seen this old trick a million times, lady. Right. You know, we don't get any we get it, you're a cat. defense against the dark arts class in the movie either. The only class that we get in the movie is potions, and that's just because Slughorn matters so much. He's new, yeah. I didn't even think about I think that. he'd be a cool teacher. Oh, yeah. I probably would have loved Slughorn's class. Unless I was just very bad at potions, then I probably would have been very bitter about it because I would see we, that we he wouldn't was have like been, into though. everybody else and been like, oh, yeah, well, hmm, passable. I'm like, oh, fuck you, dude. <laughs> we, we would have been good at potions. You think so? I certainly would like to hope yeah. that it would be. Yeah, dude. We're both. It's interesting. It is interesting. God, it would be it would be so hard to make a potion over the course of any period of days. You know what I mean? Like doing a pro, like doing a consistent project. Like it. Yeah. I can't think of anything that I've ever had to do where it's like, like I I the, like the only example I can even think of is like taking a birth control every day at the same time. And I don't even have to do that. <laughs> so it's like, right. And I've only ever known like my people that I've been around to do, to do that sometimes. So it's like, yeah, rituals like that. That's the only like, r- yeah, like I can't. So to think about taking care of a potion over the course of several months and having it come out. Okay. Right. Is so daunting to me. You know, that that's like, while I was getting out with that. So props to Hermione for her polyjuice potion. Right, yeah. I was uh, God, that must have been stressful. I, like the closest thing I think that any general person in real life could do would be like you know smoking a brisket, because that takes forever, okay. right? It's like 
a yeah. day and a half if you're doing it. Yeah, like and it's just small way. little adjustments. Yeah, where you have to continually yeah, put wood tweaks. on the fire and all that sort of stuff for you know okay, that makes 12 sense. hours. And people talk about doing that. Like I've known people who have done it. And it just yeah. sounds like something that I would not want to do at all. That sounds terrible. I cannot remember to change my laundry after an hour. Yeah. I mean, I've processed a deer over a couple of days, but it's never like you have to do it today at five or the meat's going to be bad now. Right, yeah. It's like I have so, I have like a little bit of wiggle it's room just a task because I know the conditions I put in. It's just the next couple of days as opposed to <clears throat> right. the thing that you're tending. And it takes a couple of days. days. Yeah. 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 So just. So those kinds of potions would be hard. So, and I can't imagine. Well, I can I can only imagine some potions like that being like I can only imagine making those in class. Like, yeah. okay, we're still working on our blank from last week. In real life, potions would be so cool because it would be like Snape. Snape would be would would tell everyone like, okay, next week yet you guys all have to come to potions at midnight because we have to do something at the full moon to like you know right, like yeah. you'd have to because it make because that's what Hermione has to do mm -hmm. like she has to do no, no she has to just know that the they have to go through a full moon cycle for the Polyjuice potion but I guess they don't have to do anything at the moon but it just seems like in potions class if it was real and they were doing potions over the course of weeks and months and stuff that I mean. We've said this before, though we don't get every scene, but right, right, <laughs> it does right. seem like like they would be called back to class like at weird times sometimes. Yeah, totally. And like whenever and they're doing their um, uh, astronomy, astronomy owl, they're taking that test at midnight. <laughs> yeah, like that class must be at night. Like how else? Would, well, I guess you can study the stars on paper. I was gonna say, how else do you take right. the class? Like we but they must teach that now as well. You know, it's probably you know right. once a week you take your astronomy lesson at midnight or something like that. And probably that's yeah. just once a week because they'll do it like on a Friday night when they don't have class the next day or something. You know, that's smart. But then during the rest of the week, whenever you have it, yeah, it's just like you know charts and lecture. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> Maybe there's like a full model of the galaxy in, you know, whatever her, uh, Professor Sinister's yes. office or classroom. Because like uh, Ferenz has the, you know, the forest basically in his classroom. So there must be something equivalent Andy, in the classroom as well. And he has the constellations. Yeah. Remember, they're reading constellations too. Yeah. So you could just do that in the classroom. You don't have to do it at night. Yeah. There's magic. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's always the key right is it, there's magic <laughs> yeah do you think do you think trelawney actually knows what she's talking about like i know she can't actually like she's not a well she is a seer but she's like a she she can't she's do it at on fraud, yeah. command but do you think that like the information that she has is legit from a textbook i think so like at a just base like, level yeah because it seems like she's teaching she from transfiguration or whatever much. like the <laughs> Yeah, and it seems like she does know the course material. Like, she's teaching from a book, yeah. and Lavender and, and Pavardi keep going, like, have you heard this? And she's like, oh, well, that, blah, blah, blah. But, like, she knows everything. It seems like she knows, like she's fully versed in, like, her horoscopes. Right. And if it's anything so. like regular school systems, like, she has to have students that are passing their owls for their hurt subject, or else she would have been fired. Like, if she never had a single well, she student wouldn't that have passed... Been their owl for divination there's no way dumbledore would have continued to be like yes you can stay here you clearly are doing good stuff like you know that people well he he doesn't he didn't even want to keep the class he yeah. he only considered her because she was like he was like well i guess i should i should give her an opportunity she is the the granddaughter of a famous yeah. seer 
And then he's like, I didn't even want to continue the class. And then she freaking does the prophecy that secures her job for the next But it's also still a standardized subject as far as the government system is concerned. Right. So. Well, the government has no say (laughs) in Hogwarts. Come on. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously Dumbledore could say, you know, no, we're not going to offer divination at this school. And that's just all there is to it. If you want to study divination, you can go to a different school. But but he still has to justify keeping her on. And so she must be passing students. Like, students must be passing their L's and even their newts under her tutelage. You know, that must yeah. be happening. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and they can't be judging too. Like, you must only get outstanding, I guess, if you're actually, like, seeing in the crystal ball, like, during your OWL. But, right, yeah. I mean, like, Lavender and Pavardi are, are still taking Transfiguration. Like, I'm sure they passed their owl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I'm sure she's teaching the course. So she knows the course material. Yeah, yeah. She's just a fraud in the fact that she can't actually yeah, do it. The, it that's got to be so frustrating. Able to do, exactly like you said. She can't you know, always nail it. Most of the time she's just... God, that, would, that would be so frustrating, man. That's like being a, like a, a squib. You know? She's just right. like... Rah. You think she's knowingly... <laughs> like I, I know about all this stuff. Knowingly being a fraud? <coughs> or is... She's just delusional. I think she's just delusional. I think she generally, genuinely thinks that she's making predictions like all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think she's just delusional. I think you're right because I was trying to convince myself of the other side of that, and I couldn't. I think there's definitely like she has moments of clarity, right, where she's like, uh, "You kind of caught me there," but I, I think that generally speaking, she's pretty delusional. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she predicts somebody dying every year, and it never yeah, happens. Right. <laughs> so, like, there's obviously fanfare to her to her teaching method, but um, yeah, she she must be delusional. I mean that that is a that's just we can write that that example I I said it off as just like her her joke for her first day, like just dumb dad joke or whatever oh, that she's sure, doing. Yeah, the teachers do that in real life. Yeah, <laughs> but I think you're right though i think she's just delusional i don't think that she uh, actually thinks that i think she, i think she believes what she's saying <laughs> yeah she must i mean for even if she wasn't like always delusional in her life like she drove herself to that by being this way <laughs> right like she has told the lies so long that it became her truth you know that's sort of mm-hmm. well that's about all that i have i don't really know oh did you cry you said you were gonna cry I didn't. No, oh, I did not cry. I held it together this time. Yeah, <laughs> I, o- I was taking notes. I that's almost why. cried when uh, they were having the argument in the infirmary about uh, Lupin and Tonks. You know, with like the, that that reveal is finally put there that that's what Tonks has been upset about. And then mm-hmm. McGonagall says, "I think Dumbledore of all people would be happy if there was more love in the world." I almost cried at that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not so when he sweet. died or anything, but whenever she said that, I was like, "Oh, geez, yeah." <laughs> yeah, no, that pulls on some strings. Especially because it's Lupin and like he hasn't been like allowed to be happy or normal, and the fact that like, yeah, he's now getting a taste of it is so like twisted, right? You know? Yeah, and I really, really adore and identify with Lupin as a character. I think I yeah. said it either last week or the week before, but I think that overall he's my favorite character in the whole series, or he's just the one that I I wish that there was just more of. You know, I wish that I him agree. And Harry could have and, been closer. And she teases us in the next book. Yeah. Dude, there's a freaking super tease in the next book. Anyway, you're right. I agree. I wish they could have been more friends. 
more friends. I wish they could have been closer. Right. If only he <laughs> could have just remained the teacher. That would have been the best because he was such a great teacher, obviously. And it was certainly once we learned his circumstance, it was, you know, really nice to see that he was, you know, he had found a home, you <laughs> know, just all the things, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> just all yeah, the things that make it's it really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so like poetic and sad. <laughs> right. But, well, we're done right, with well, Half Blood. And we're on to the last book. It uh, It's mine and Will's. Uh, identifying colors <laughs> yeah it was i have i'm about to pick up the book like i can show the audience but the uh, um I, i've just been reading my original books i have you know the same books that i bought you know on release with each one of them and uh they have these great color schemes um where like the spine is one color and then the rest of the you know the the cover um on the hardcover editions i don't know what the i'm sure the paperback cover editions just look like you know whatever the image is um, but it's always mm -hmm. like a two-tone thing. And, uh, this one is like a mustard yellow and like an olive. And, uh, I just really like it. I forgot that was the color scheme for this one, but Jordan was making a comment about how those yeah. colors represent us or something. Yeah. I am mustard yellow and you are olive, uh, olive gray, olive it's green. Like what olive, is it? Yeah. I mean, olive is closer to it. I mean, it's kind of in the middle, I guess is in between like gray okay. and green. Just like Will. Just like me, in the middle of gray and green. Yes. Yeah. You know, how I've always thought of myself. Dude, you're wearing gray. I am wearing gray. <laughs> Just kidding. Like, that means this anything. This is my, <laughs> my comfy shirt. This is what I change into whenever I don't have anywhere to go. Podcast shirt. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, oh, but, nice. Uh, yeah. But, okay, so, uh, how much are we reading next reading week? Reading through chapter 13. We've got about 700 and... 65 70-ish pages to get through so it's going to be a little over 250 pages each week yeah we've got two major story plot lines that we have to figure out we have to do the deathly hallows which is the name of the book that we would know if we were going into it no matter what we'd be like what are these hallows and why is the whole book named after them and then also we have the whole underlying theme of we have to destroy the horcruxes so it's like we if, if this book is crazy because it's like two two books worth of like mm -hmm. content just smashed into one and it's not overwhelmingly large. It is a big book, but it's not like it moves very well. Not, doesn't it? The pacing. It, well, I think yeah. it does. I think it's really good for how much they, ha how much she has to put mm -hmm. in there. And, uh, and like we've been saying in these last few like books, you know, like analyzing it as we go through, like she, she really did have it all like planned out at this yeah. point, like the intricacies of it, you know? Yeah. So. I think she definitely has all the major, plot points long planned out at this point and for sure you know, just finer details need to be you know really set in for i mean and i guess ultimately certainly this is the last book so of course that's how it mm -hmm. is <laughs> of course she knows how the last book's gonna go um but she can let things happen around some of the uh concrete ideas that she has set you know it, it's just interesting how that she's put these stepping stones and these building blocks up for this like masterpiece and and as i as i've been saying continually through the whole thing i couldn't tell if she knew what she was doing the whole time or not and as we've gotten gotten on i feel like 
by the time she got signed on to write the last few books, I think that's when she like she wrote the fourth one as just like a fun taste of the mag- magical world. But by the fifth one, she really had the whole plot line. She, that's when she had it all figured out, at least down to the detail. And that's when I feel like she went back and she probably did some of her rereading of the other books. I think she she would have had to, you know, just to yeah do her due diligence, you know. But um, I think I think by I think when she was writing the fifth book, she knew how it was all going to end and how it was all going to piece together at each little mm-hmm. point. But I don't think that she knew from the first book. No, certainly not. I think all. that, and, and yeah. you know, and like you said, we have talked about this a couple of times already, just because it comes, becomes more and more evident with each book. Right. But I think that mm-hmm. the, by the time that she was finished with her rough draft of the fourth book, uh, I think at that point she knew how the rest of the story was going to go and definitely okay. had to, you know, put in, you know, fill in the holes. Um, but I think that by the time yeah. she finished her, you know, first draft of Goblet of Fire, I think that by that time she knew, okay, Horcruxes got it, or maybe not literally Horcruxes, but Voldemort's mm-hmm. soul is in pieces. And mm-hmm. that's how he dies. We find the pieces and destroy them. So what are those? Okay, that's Horcruxes. And, you know, that's how she fills in the details. But she know. I think at that point she probably knew how everything goes like don't yeah. dies at the end of the next or at the sixth book um Sirius is going to die like you know i think she knew all the major plot points and what the the complexity of the story was going to be uh just had mm-hmm. to you know turn it into a story <laughs> right yeah and uh, lucky lucky for me like going through it this time with you and bringing that up consistently throughout has uh has made me like really pay attention and and i always could convince myself when re-listening to some of the other books like because of her particular word choice or whatever in the second book, like she knew the whole time about Horcruxes. And I think you're right, probably around fourth and fifth book, either. I, I think the fifth book, when she wrote that one, she had it all figured out, but at the same time, pretty much. So we're right. saying, um, but I don't, but I, I don't think that she did by the second book, but, but this is how I convinced, I convinced myself to think that she had it all figured out. Cause I'm like, she'd said these particular words. And I think that just, that's just her her writing. She just doesn't. Like, yeah, like a, a consistency. It's, it's good. Of yeah, practice, it's re- you know, like she. That's yeah. how she writes, or you know, whatever it is, you know. And that, and it it convinced me to think that she had it all figured out from the first book. But I think since you and I have been breaking it down and really figuring it out, I think we've pretty much pinpointed like pinpointed when she did, mm-hmm. and she could say whatever she wants. But we know that she, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah. So cha- read to chapter thirteen through chapter thirteen. Um, you guys know how to find us anchor.fm slash ears dash stamps that has links to everything mm-hmm. you can support us directly there if you want yep, yep, yep. and uh, yeah tell your friends and thanks tell for listening tell your friends tell, tell all of them just like um, what uh, man I was about to make a really stupid reference tell your friends that's the name of a Taking Back Sunday album I'm pretty sure do that everybody likes Taking Back Sunday do the right? Taking Back Sunday yeah do the Taking yeah so do Taking Back Sunday yeah. If it's not a Taking Back Sunday album, it's a it's some other, you know, fucking sad boy pop punk album. Something like that. Tell your friends. Tell your friends about us. Tell and your friends. And maybe listen to My Chemical Romance or something like that. Nice. Uh, and um, <laughs> it. I'm going to... Oh, man. Now that it's Deathly Hollows, that's two movies. That's so much more movie to watch. Anyway, <laughs> well, you'll be able to piece it. You, you'll be able to break it up. You can watch just the first part. I might do that for this Instead first section. You know, movie. You know, both movies before and after reading. I might just watch the first movie and then read and then watch the second movie. 
yeah, you'll really you'll be able to feel like, is this a money grab or were they trying to do justice to the story? Should each book I think have the, been two movies? The, because this was the first, whenever, you know, so there was a period of time where suddenly movies were um, not only being, you know, made from, adapted from books, but they were being split up into two movies when it was one book. For the ending. And this was, if I remember correctly, now somebody could prove me wrong possibly, but Harry Potter was the first one that announced that they were going to do it this way. And then Twilight? Um, well, uh, next, then The Hobbit did it. Um, the Hobbit said... Oh, I thought Twilight was like right after they, they were, the, they were All three of them were very close to each other. But The Hobbit, um, yeah. Because they were all starting to come. Oh. They were like entering production or getting media coverage. They were, they were all in various stages of development, but they were all getting attention at that time. And uh, I think that uh, if I remember correctly, Harry was Harry Potter was the first one. They were like, okay, we're, we're going to take this one book and make it two movies. And everybody was like, ooh, that's so much stuff. And then I remember The Hobbit saying, we're going to make the two movies out of the book. And I was thinking, oh, that's really interesting because there is a lot of things timeline-wise that happened during The Hobbit that relate only to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And so maybe they can merge those together. Maybe that's what they're doing. And then Twilight did it. And then The Hobbit said, nope, we're making three movies. And they were all fucking terrible. So uh, that's how I remember it happening. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I think that is how it went down. But anyways, I'm Will Hedrick. I'm Jordan Schaffer. And timestamps. Go Packers. Still Cowboys. Cowboys. Oh, it's Cowboys. What's wrong with you?